Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. While we could be sad, we could all find something, could we? How many know the enemy's at work? Let me tell you why he's at work. He's scared. Huh? He knows his time is shorter than it's ever been before. And so he's tried about every little thing that you can imagine, every big thing, but none of us worked. I want to read you a prophetical word. Um, I don't know when it came up. Um, I was teaching on the, I think, on the blood of Jesus sometime back and uh, Christian got a prophetical word out of that and um, I came across it and I just thought it'd be appropriate for this morning because how many know it's the blood of Jesus that cleansed us, washed us, made us holy and keeps us safe and protected. Amen. You can't die where there's life. Jesus said, I come to bring you death, life. life. And, and how much is, how much did he come to bring more abundantly? So listen to this. The blood of Jesus I proclaim over every title that can be conferred and every name that can be named, the blood of Jesus that brings to naught all the enemy has planned and all his wicked plots, the blood of Jesus that causes to be that which man would call an impossibility, the blood of Jesus which demands a bended knee from every kind of sickness and every infirmity, the blood of Jesus that flows from the highest peak to the lowest plain that wipes out all condemnation and every sinful stain, the blood of Jesus, I decree that I'm one with Christ because the blood shed for me. The blood of Jesus, I do not take lightly. It's preciousness I do esteem highly. The blood of Jesus, the blood for me, the blood I plead, the blood that set me free. Amen. Amen. The only thing wrong with that was I didn't get it myself. Praise God. <laughs> That's good. Amen. It's the blood. Well, we want to welcome you once again and welcome those who are watching live with us. Facebook. We welcome you in. We're glad that you're that you're tuning in with us today. Our, um, we also, uh, as you know, uh, we, we do this in two formats. One is here and one is uh, Facebook Live. And then we, that goes into an audio format, which goes into about 40 different nations. Uh, we've had uh, tens of thousands of downloads of messages that have been preached uh, from a little two-light town called Jemison, Alabama. So if you're, if you're in another country, you say, where is Jemison? Well, it's in the, the great state of Alabama. And uh, we are the revival capital of the world today. Praise the Lord. How about that? During this, uh, what they ever want to call it, a pandemic, uh, a lot of things went on. Uh, uh, well, I, I'll be real nice. The government tried to have a little overreach and tell you what you can do, what you can't do. And uh, uh, Thursday, the CDC... Um, Revised the guidelines and for the state, uh, you know, uh, President Trump put it in every governor's power to reopen as they saw fit. There was a reason for that. And um, but uh, Alabama uh, is in a new phase today. And um, so uh, but Thursday, it changed where the church is concerned. If you look at the provisions about the church, uh, there are none. So it got removed. So it's not just can have church. It's not you can with 10. They should leave the, uh, so we embarred the attorney 
And President Trump said the church has been uh, brutalized to some, to, you know, to, to some capacity. And he says, so there are no guidelines for the church. Well, we already knew that because we read something called the Constitution of the United States, but it's good that they finally read it and caught up with it. But anyway, so here we go. It didn't really matter. We're, uh, we're stronger than we've ever been. Now, we're teaching on Revelations, and, we're, and uh, not in the sense that we're going over every chapter and every verse, but we're going to teach the main line events. Uh, uh, Revelations is something that most pastors stay away from. Uh, we, uh, Hilton Sutton said, uh, it's one subject, they said, well, we just bring in Brother Hilton. Well, you can't bring him in anymore. He's in heaven. And so... Uh, he said, uh, you know, it's just not enough to know because most pastors say, well, what I do know about Revelation is we win. And I do know that uh, the, the book is the last book before the book of maps. Well, did you know that about a third of the of your Bible is prophecy? And I uh, don't want to get ahead of myself. So if the Bible is the third of prophecy, how I many know that we should have some understanding of it? And it is true when you study prophecy and you study after different offers, you, you'll get about only about a thousand different opinions. And so you have to trust the Holy Ghost. But uh, I'm telling you, there is a, uh, a blessing, the Bible says, for he that reads it. I'm going to do just a little bit of uh, uh, going to do a little bit of uh, going back and touching some things that we taught because we started. And then we had Mother's Day and then I'm starting and then we'll have Van to see next week. So I'm, I'm trying I'm start and stop, start and stop. And when you get to something like this, it's, it's good if you can just start and go on. Uh, I know it can be factual uh, in a lot of ways, but the reason we want to understand it, we'll tell you this morning. Um, I'll come back to this part later, some things that we already covered. So uh, you don't have to open your Bible right now, uh, but we want to go give you a timeline of chronological events. And we'll just, we'll just do it real simple. We're going to say, well, you know, why even study prophecy? Should we, should we even study prophecy? Well, I'm going to give you at least... You know, three out of probably a hundred reasons, but one is it's, it's part of the Bible. Um, they say it varies from 26 to 30 percent of the Bible is is prophecy. Well, if that's true, uh, Timothy said in Second Timothy 3:16, all Scripture, which includes prophecy, is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. How many how, how many I want something profitable? Yeah, me too. So if God thinks something is profitable, then you and I really, we, we have no business ignoring it, do we, if it's profitable. Uh, number two, uh, let's just say the end's near. And, uh, and I don't mean the end's near because we see some guy, you know, with a goatee and his hair, you know, look like he uh, touched a 240 socket and he's sitting there trying to hand out some type of uh, uh, witness cards. You know, well, the, the end's near. Because Jesus said, the fact is, he said that there's going to be a generation that will legitimately be able to declare this is the end. How many believe that we're this generation? And there's so many, so many things that we, we know we can prove that from Scripture. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Revelation 1, 3. One reason why we want to study prophecy is, is this Scripture. Blessed is he that readeth and heareth the words. People say, well, I can't, I don't understand it. Well, you'll understand it more and more and more. But he didn't say if you understood it. He said, blessed is he who reads it. And he that hear the words of the prophecy. In other words, there's just some, some things that will go well with you if you do it. It's like when you're growing up as a kid, when mom, my, my mama said cut the grass or clean your room. If I said, well, I don't understand it. But I know one thing. If I did what it told her, it went well with me. 
<laughs> How about that? So blessed is he that read it, he that hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things that are written in. Now listen to this. For the time is at hand. Now we know God used the Holy, uh, by the Holy Spirit used John and he, uh, he was uh, exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Uh, they had tried to kill him before boiling the hot wax. It didn't work. He was Teflon coated that even he couldn't boil in hot wax. So if you can't kill a guy in hot wax, that's what you're going to do with him. So they put him out on the Isle of Patmos just to live by himself for the rest of his life. And, but he had a lot of company. He had the Holy Spirit. And uh, before the end of his life, he downloaded, he got a download of this whole book we call Revelation. How about that? And so John penned the words, the time is at hand uh, two millennia ago or two million years ago. And the time is, or 2,000 years ago, the time is at hand. So if the time, and that was about 96 A.D., so if the time was at hand at 96 A.D., how many know it's really close now? Can you see that? So I believe that we're the generation, that we will see the return of Jesus Christ. And if any generation needs to understand prophecy, it's our generation. Uh, the reason why we need, to see, we need to have a better understanding, because without prophecy, you've got an incomplete Bible. You really do. It's good to know the Gospels. It's good to, to be in the epistles, but without uh, understanding prophecy. We don't see Jesus and all his, all his uh, king. Uh, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but we see him triumphant in all things from the beginning to the end. A lot of things, a lot of times we teach, we teach us something that's already happened, and then we teach for something that Jesus did for us, and we're discipling people. But here when we're in Revelation, we're talking about things that hasn't happened yet, future events. How many of you know, I think you probably know this, if not, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this morning, uh, this may be a little bit strong, but I think y'all can handle it. How many of y'all think you can handle it? Amen. God knows the future. Y'all okay? <laughs> and God knows the future better than you know the present. And so um, that was another reason. And then uh, <clears throat> uh, Bible prophecy completes God's revelation of himself. In Revelation 1, uh, 1 the amplifies says, this is the revelation. This book is, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of divine mysteries. Now, you say, well, revelation can't be understood. How many ever heard that's just hard to understand? I don't know. Why did he give it the name revelation then? Revelation means to be revealed, right? So the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of his divine mysteries, which God the Father gave to him, to show his bondservants believe the things which must soon take place in their entirety. And he sent and communicated to his angels and to his bondservant, John. And then uh, uh, Hilton Sutton, uh, we uh, watched his uh, series a, number, uh, a couple of times, but it was a few years ago that we watched his series on Revelation. And I'll make a quote to him here. Hilton, he says, Hilton Sutton points out in Revelation um, revealed the final book of the Bible completes God's revelation of mankind to himself, of himself to mankind. In the Old Testament, Hilton said he was known as the promised Messiah in the Gospels. He's the Lamb of God sacrificed for the sin of the world. The epistles reveal him as the risen Lord and the head of the church and revelation unveils him as the triumphant Lord. And uh, <clears throat> another reason that was given to 2 Peter 1, the reason why we want to study prophecy uh, is 2 Peter 1, 12, 13. Don't have time to turn to him, but I want to give you references. And it says in the Passion Translation, I won't hesitate to continue to remind you of these truths, even though that you are aware of them 
and are well established in the present measure of truth, which you have already embraced. Verse 13, uh, he, Peter said, as long as I live, I will continue uh, to awaken you with these reminders. Now, we're, we're going to go as we study these things and kind of give you a kind of a chronological order of what we're uh, what we have done. We're kind of going back and rehearsing some this morning and then we'll go a little bit more uh, forward. I don't know how long it'll take. Uh, Jesus could come before we get through. How about that? Anyone here going to be upset if Jesus comes before we get through? It'd be all right. Okay. So um, we're going to talk about, we're going to start really at the place of the cross of Jesus Christ. And then, then we're in right now the church age, which is when we're right now. And then there will be the, be the rapture. And, that was, and the rapture is called the first resurrection. A lot of times people don't understand there's two resurrections. But, and, they don't, and they don't happen at the same time. So we're going to talk about the rapture, the first resurrection, and then when the church raptured, we're, and we've covered some of this, the judgment seat of Christ. Don't let that word scare you. That's a, good day. That's a good day for you if you're a believer. The white throne judgment, don't be there. That would be a bad day for you. But the judgment seat of Christ is where you get rewarded. Y'all like rewards? That's where you get rewarded. But during that seven-year period, which is uh, the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where we have this amazing feast. Praise God. And so, uh, it, uh, back on earth, there's the tribulation. And the tribulation actually is two parts, um, seven years, but it's two, three and a half periods. And the first part is called the, uh, the tribulation. The last three and a half years, it intensifies, becomes very difficult on the earth. And, um, and that's called the, the Great Tribulation. First three and a half years, Tribulation. Second three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. And that's when the mark of the beast. Um, and that's where you'll either take, uh, if you want to buy and sell goods, you want to live on the earth, you'll, uh, during the, the second three and a half years, um, the Antichrist will be in full force and you'll take either uh, a mark or chip in your hand or you'll take it in your forehead. If you take that, you'll be going to hell forever. And uh, if you don't, you'll have to believe God mightily. Now, the Holy Spirit will be on the earth. Some people said the Holy Spirit can't be here. The Holy Spirit will always be here because there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people be getting saved during the whole seven-year period. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, kind of feels like he'll be uh, secure from the Antichrist. In other words, in Alabama talk, he won't be scared, but he'll be here. Amen. And so uh, that's and then we're going to talk about the, uh, the second coming, the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. And then we'll talk about the millennium and the final rebellion. And Satan will be loose for a thousand years. Then there'll be the second resurrection and the great wine throne judgment. We're going to talk about heaven and we're going to talk about hell. And we're going to talk about which one I think you ought to go to. And we're going to see if we can get agreement on that. So, amen. Can we get started now? So that's what we're going to do. So let's kind of go back over the rapture of the church real quick. Real, uh, real quick. And uh, some people say, you know, why do you preach on the rapture? Because the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the word Bible is not in the Bible. How I many you brought one? Argument exists even though the word Bible is not in there. So the word rapture is not in the church, but it is in the Latin Vulgate. It was later translated into the Greek, which is the word harpazo, which means to seize upon. It means to catch away. So we know that the word rapture uh, really is derived from the Latin translation. And um, uh, if you want to turn to this, you can, or you can just listen. 
or maybe on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But the uh, term rapture, uh, once again, is derived from the Latin, the Latin Vulgate, and it simply means to be called up. The English phrase, called up, uh, comes from the word rapere, R-A-P-E-R-E, which means to seize or to transport from one location to another. Say that with me. I'm going to translate from one location to another. And uh, we, we can see types of this that already happened um, um, during in some of the epistles and the book of Acts. Eight, uh, we won't go there. Um, go ahead and go to Thessalonians if you're going to go there. And I'm, I'm going to read you three or four other scriptures. But in Acts 8.39, how many Philip was caught away? Remember, he preached to the eunuch and he says, well, can I be baptized? And he says, I don't see why you could be baptized. So they got, they stopped the chariot, got down and uh, he baptized him. And when he Philip brought the man up, the eunuch up. Philip was no more there, and he was found within, within seconds 20 miles away, 20, 30 miles away. Amen. You say, well, he might have had a fast horse. No, he, he, was, he wasn't on a horse, and he was found in the, in the next city 20, 30 miles away just that fast. Amen. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. That's what you'll be doing there in the millennium. You'll be transported constantly all the time. You'll be going there to deal with people. Who, who live through the seven-year tribulation. Eric, don't do this. You're jumping subjects, but okay, here I go. And uh, you'll be going to go help people. You'll have people who have accidents, who are going to die in an accident. You'll be translated over there, and you'll raise them from, the, you'll raise them from dead, or you'll raise them from their sickness right away. You'll pull them out of a car wreck. They'll be healed just like that, and they'll live on. Amen. So uh, get used to translation, because you're going to be translated all the time. Hallelujah. You're going to have your spirit body. You won't need to go through the door. You can walk through the walls. You'll just absolutely, you'll have, just like Christ. Amen. How many of y'all want to go through the millennium, do some of that stuff? Yeah. Hallelujah. And that way you can walk in a room and at any time see someone's talking about you. No, just kidding. <laughs> and uh, we've seen 2 Corinthians 12, 14. Paul was caught up, you know, he said into the third heaven. Well, there's, there it is the word. It's the word, if you were caught up, is the word repair again. Same, same Greek word. In Genesis, Enoch walked with God. And he was not, it says, for God took him. He took him. Genesis 6, 24, God took in it from one location and transported him to another. So that's exactly what's going to happen to the church. We're going to be translated from this place to another place and uh, prior to the tribulation period. Okay, here we go. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. Paul said, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant is just not having the facts, not knowing, right? Doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you don't know. So God doesn't want you to not know. He said, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or those who have died, that you sorrow not for those, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are asleep or those who have died in, in Jesus, God will bring those with him. This is good news. Those is, that, that's, that's good news. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep that have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, the dead of Christ shall rise first, and they which are alive and remain shall be caught up, or repair, R-E-P-E-R-E -E -E is the word, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so... Those who have died, 
they're, the, the body's here, but they're with the Lord. They're in, they're in a spirit body, but they're going to come back and the Lord's going to exhume the body. And, uh, and he's going to bring with them their soul and their spirit and their body's going to come up right before we come up. So some people say, well, I, I wanted to really live until the rapture takes place. Well, even if you, even if you leave the, this earth before the rapture takes place, you get in on both of it. Sometimes we thought, well, if we, you know, we, we missed the rapture, it'd be cool to go in the rapture. You, if you die beforehand, you're, gonna, you're still going to go in the rapture because you're going to bring your spirit and your soul back here to get your body. And then you're going to be caught back up. So you, you, I said it the other day, you, you get the best of both worlds. You get to go to heaven and enjoy, enjoy that. Then you come back and you get raptured for the, anyone who's alive on the earth. I mean, you get a, you get a double whammy. Amen. So that's good news, right? Now, everything I'm giving you is all good news. Y'all okay with good news? Yes. Amen. So our timeline starts with the cross. So right now we're living in the church age. And that, that will change, but right now it's the church age. And the next, that is the next event on God's calendar is the rapture. Someone said, is there anything that has to happen before Christ comes? Uh, I, I told you no, but I'm wrong. I did find one thing that has to happen. It says when, when the Lord come, he said uh, he'll descend and there'll be a shout. So we'll just, that's it. We're waiting on a shout. <laughs> that's the only thing that has to happen is just a shout. So <clears throat> let's talk about what happens to the believer at death, even though I think that you know this. We just read it. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, you don't have to turn there. It says the very God of peace will sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit your soul and your body will be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Faithful is he that called you and faithful is he that will do it. So that verse reveals that there's three parts of man. It was always God's part that we have a, a, a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. And uh, I know I'm, I'm talking to a trained congregation, but we're, like I said, we're preaching to the world. So let's talk about these parts just a little bit. The spirit of you is the real you, right? The born-again spirit, that's the real you. Uh, it's the part that God contacts. When you have worship and praise and you're worshiping the Lord, you're worshiping, your soul's involved and your body's involved, but you're worshiping in spirit. Those who worship me, Jesus said, must worship me in spirit and truth. So that's the part that's born again when you receive Christ. Now your soul is made up of your, of your, what, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body uh, is really easy to define. That's that thing sitting in the chair. Praise the Lord. And that consists of your flesh and of your five senses. So at death, the Christian spirit and soul leave their body. And they're immediately, uh, if, if we were to leave this planet today, and it wasn't the rapture, we would leave our body here, but your, your spirit and your soul would go to be with the Lord immediately. Amen. And so you would have a, your spirit would look just like your body, probably just the skinny version. And the very young version. And the no flawed version, no medication version. Carbs can't hurt you in heaven. No sugar issues there. No one's coming with you for a needle. No Blue Cross, no Aetna, no, none of that kind of stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. Or you can go to hell and do what they're going to do. But I think you ought to go to heaven. That, that's just my take on it. But so the spirit, the soul, and the body. So your, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so once again, uh, when Christ comes, he'll bring the spirit, your, your spirit, your soul, and the body will, will come up to meet him in, in the air. Now, we do, we, 
we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we started, that we have to understand that <clears throat> when Christ comes, he doesn't come to touch the earth, that we go to meet him in the air. The second coming is when he comes to the earth, but we come back with him. So that's the word caught up at his appearing. You, you'll see the word appearing many times in scripture when he appears. In other words, like someone, you may be having an event and uh, may, uh, maybe it's a wedding or you're having some type of special event at your home or uh, a graduation or something and you get an invitation, but you can't stay for all of it, but you want to come and honor the, whose birthday it is or be a part of it. And you say, I can't stay for all of it, but I'm going to come and I'm going to be there for a little while. So what you're going to do is you're going to make an appearing. So Jesus is going to come and make an appearing. And uh, those of us who are alive and remain is going to go ahead and be with the Lord. Those who aren't will be real busy watching CNN trying to figure out what just happened. But that's okay because Hollywood's already been preparing those people for, for that uh, with uh, all type of movies. And what they're going to say is the Mother Earth, all these people, you know, who didn't believe in, you know, global warming and all this kind of stuff. Mother Earth has just sucked them up and they're all gone. They're all out of our way. So they won't even be They won't even be sad. Now, some people will know what's going on. I do want you to know, don't want to go too far ahead. There'll be many ministry. There's 12 tribes of Israel. So there's uh, there'll be thousands of ministers who will be preaching during the seven year tribulation and thousands and thousands will be saved. Over half the population will be saved during, during the tribulation. Amen. That, so you can see why the Holy Spirit has to be here. So <clears throat> let's talk about what happens at the rapture. So, th so once again, First th Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which have died. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also those which sleep have died in Jesus, God will bring with Jesus. So God's going to bring your loved one with him. Amen. You don't even have to wait to get to heaven to meet him at the gate. You're going to meet him in the air. Amen. And, and can't you just, I mean, whether it's a parent or a friend or a child or a baby and, and, or whoever, and it'll be an amazing time. You know, sometimes you just say, well, well, we'll get raptured, but, you know, they'll be waiting on us in heaven. No, they're going to meet you in there and they're going to look at you like, look at now. Look at you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so the Lord had to give us a revelation when you see your great grandmother because she'll only be like 25, 28 years old, 30 at tops in the spirit body. And you say, sister, look at you. Amen. And she'll say, well, look at you. You used to be a wreck. No, no, I didn't want to say nothing like that. But anyway, it's all going to look good right there in the air. Good news, right? So the first thing that occurs in the rapture is the resurrection of the deceased ones. And uh, when Jesus descends at the rapture, he brings the spirits and the souls of the deceased loved ones with him. That's when the trumpet sounds and their bodies will come out of the grave and they'll then be reunited with their inward man. And the, re uh, the reuniting with the body uh, happens to everyone. So some say everyone. everyone, whether they're saved or not. So that's God's original plan was man was consist of a spirit, a soul and a body. And death has just temporarily frustrated that plan. But eventually uh, he'll have his way and uh, all men will be spirit, soul and body in eternity. Now, <clears throat> this is not a major point, but it's um, I, I think that we ought to have it. There's going to be three significant sounds. We don't think we covered this yet from Thess Thessalonians 14, 16, 7 said the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. One with the voice of an archangel. Number two. 
and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, of course, those who which remain shall be caught up together with him uh, in the air. And, be, and we will ever be with the Lord. Ever. So three sounds mentioned in, in connection with the rapture. And the first one's shout. And, then, and I said a while ago, you think there's anything that has to happen before the rapture? Yeah, just this shout. Just this shout. And, uh, and I believe the shout is going to be something in the words of come up hither. And there's, uh, you can kind of see that. I'll, I'll always give you a word for that. I won't just give you an opinion. Revelation 4.1 and, and Revelation 11 and 12, you can see he uses the phrase come up hither. So the shout will be go get them, come up hither. The second voice is the voice of the archangel that was found in that verse. And uh, there's only one archangel that's mentioned that we know in Scripture, and his, and his name's Michael. You ever heard of Michael? Michael's not a, is an angel you want to mess with. He'll take you out. <laughs> Amen? And uh, if, if you oppose him. Uh, but he's mentioned in Jude, verse 9, and there's no, really no other archangels that are, that are named. Uh, I'm sure others exist, but we don't have any other uh, proof of that. Um, but we do know that the archangel who accompanies Christ is, um, is Michael, and he's involved in the plan of God and during the tribulation period. And we know that from Daniel 12, verse 1, if you want that reference. During the plan of redemption, you'll see Michael, the angel, involved during that. And, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, time will tell the whole thing. Uh, the final sound is the trump of God, the very trump of God. You know, once again, we're talking about three sounds out of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. So there'll be a shout, a voice, and there'll be the trump of God. The final sound of the trump of God, that's in the Old Testament. And the way that used, it was used for two purposes during the Old Testament. It was used to gather people. If the, the kingdom wanted to, to gather for some reason, um, they had someone, you know, to, to use a, a, a trumpet, so to speak. And uh, that, that would summon the troops to battle or that would bring the people in for an event. But at the rapture, uh, it sounds with both purposes in mind. One is to catch it away of you. And two, it is, it is the assembling of the, uh, the angels that are going to be working during the tribulation period against the forces of darkness. <clears throat> so in the Old Testament, when God wanted to bring people together, the priest would stand on the temple and he would, uh, they would use uh, a trumpet or a ram's horn. And they said that you could hear that sound for miles upon miles. And when they heard it, people were called and, um, to whatever the event was. But we're living in the church age. And the order of the day for right now for you and I's work. That's, that's that word people don't like. Amen. Amen. It's a good word for millennials. You know, they should learn it. It's called work. Hmm? That hit a bad chord out there. Just like, huh? A lot of millennials say, I don't feel like I should be doing this. They want to sing an old song that, now this is before Christ. Mama told me not to come. <laughs> this ain't the way to have fun, son. <laughs> no, it's called work. Amen. And it works good for you. Amen. I didn't get any, I, I didn't get an amen when I said works good for you, but uh, it, it is. Praise the Lord. Work is good for you. Thank y'all. Hallelujah. So we're uh, the day. So the order of our day's work. Uh, but on that day, when the trump sounds, every man's work shall cease. You won't say, well, let me let, let, let me finish this. No, you're, you're through. Well, I was framing this. It won't need framing anymore. 
Praise the Lord. Let someone here finish it out. Amen. So regardless of what you're doing, when Jesus comes, your work will cease and you'll be caught up together with him uh, in, the, in the clouds. So we know, uh, lastly, the angels are summoned to battle. So um, throughout the book of Revelation, we see the, uh, we see the angels involved, uh, like in the uh, execution of God's judgments, which you can find in Revelation 8, verses 6 to 13, that the trump that sounds the rapture will signify angelic assignments that are about to begin. Now, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the uh, first resurrection. I mentioned there's two. We won't get to the second one today, but let's talk about the first resurrection, which we already have been. Uh, we're still using the verse 1 Thessalonians 4.16. And it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. What? Shall rise first. Uh, now, <clears throat> so we know that the first resurrection accompanies the rapture. And uh, so Paul's very specific about this, that who will be raptured at this time. So he says, at the rapture, the dead in Christ are raised. The dead in Christ are raised. You see it in the verse? That's the bodies of the unsaved, and then the bodies of the unsaved will remain in the grave. Some say for a thousand years, but it'll actually be a one thousand seven years. I believe would be true. The unsaved will stay in the grave for 1,007 years until the end of the millennium where they will be raised and judged. Amen. So at, the so at the rapture, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the Lord to meet the Lord in the air. Now, once the dead have been raised, those who are alive at the rapture will receive their resurrection bodies. Y'all looking forward to that? Amen. Amen. And, and uh, without having to go through the veil of death. That'd be so cool, wouldn't it? Woo, glory to God. And uh, <clears throat> you, you won't have time to do anything. You say, let me get my hair. No, you, you, won't, you won't need that. Amen. And if you don't have hair and you want it, you'll get it on the way up. <laughs> How about that? And uh, <clears throat> so essentially, they'll, uh, the others will experience a resurrection when they're standing on their feet and they'll be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. Now, uh, the, the part I want to really get to is uh, this morning about uh, who goes into rapture, the two groups involved in the rapture. And um, once again, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 says, there's two groups, the dead in Christ, then we which are alive and remain. Can you see the two groups? Those who've already are asleep in Christ or are dead in Christ, they shall arise first and then we which alive and remain. And both groups are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15. And when he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. Uh, this is, verse, uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52. He said, I want to show you a mystery. We which all, we shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. And we which are alive and remain shall be changed. Praise God. So Paul brings out a little subtle difference in what uh, will be accomplished in each group. And he speaks of those who have died. He says, this corruptible will put on incorruption. But concerning them which are alive, he says, the mortal shall put on immortality. Two, two different groups of people. The, the corruption shall put on incorruption. 
He says, but those which are alive and remain, the mortal shall put on immortality. And the difference, the, uh, the word corruption to the dead bodies, um, in other words, bodies decay, right? And uh, so while the word mortal refers to those which are alive and uh, are subject to death, in other words, are death doomed. So mortal people that are alive at the time of the, of the rapture, uh, they'll be changed. And um, those who have died, had their dead uh, bodies raised, they'll, they'll get a brand new spirit body also. Amen. So each, each one of us, in both instances, those who have died and come back and those who are alive, uh, will receive a Christ resurrection body. You can find that also in Philippians 3.21. And so <clears throat> we'll finish this morning with who goes into rapture. Um, when I'm studying these things, now, and I appreciate y'all bearing with me. I've only avoided this subject for 25 years. Y'all know who Rick Renner is? Rick Renner's a very intelligent man. I felt a little better when he said I, I avoided this subject for my whole ministry because I read, I read it. And then I read all the opposing views and they say, he said, well, that makes sense. Then you read the opposition. He says, meaning, but that makes sense. And he says, I'm going to leave this thing alone. <laughs> he said, then the Lord told him to teach it. He says, so what are you going to do with that? So you had to dive in. But the more, the more you go in, the more the Holy Spirit helps you and he puts things together. And it's just like after a while you're putting a puzzle together. And, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you, you can do it. Everyone probably starts around the outward corners because that's easy, right? But then you just, you get down to those pieces and you say, well, that shape fits right here. And then all, it all begins to take shape. Do I think everyone's going to agree on everything? No, there's no way everyone's going to agree on everything. But let's, let's agree on Jesus. Let's, let's agree that he has a plan. He said, if I go, I'm going to come back again. If I go, I'm, I'm going to make a, a whole bunch of shacks for you. No, no, I'm sorry. That was the, that was a reverse translation. I'm going to make a what? I'm going to make a mansion for you. Someone said, well, I just want a little place. Well, he didn't say I'm going to make a little place. So I guess if you want to tear yours down, you can get something else. Now, <clears throat> or if you want a little place, just don't do nothing while you're here. Because you'll be rewarded based on your work that you did here. Now, so who goes into rapture? Here's some of the controversies. So there's been a, a big controversy about who goes into rapture. Uh, mainline, some mainline denominations teach a partial rapture when Christ comes to meet them in, in the air. And they teach that only sanctified Christians go up. Hmm. And then they'll, but the ones who were telling you sanctified, they'll tell you who, who they are. And it always includes them. It's just like when you watch Christian TV, and there's nothing wrong with this, that they say, send the Lord an offering, but they always give you their address. <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> but they say uh, only sanctified Christians will be called up. But according to that theory, and that's the theory, Christians, and they say Christians who have sin in their life uh, or they're carnal, they're going to miss the rapture. And they'll be left behind to go through the tribulation. Uh, <clears throat> I don't see any scriptural basis for that. Are y'all happy? Yes. This is still good news, right? <clears throat> Have you ever met a Christian with no sin in their life? So who would he rapture? He just, he kind of come down and look over the whole earth and say, oh, well, be back in seven years. Do the best you can. 
<laughs> so, <clears throat> but there's mainline denominations that teach that. And uh, uh, there's a gentleman, and he was a, a Bible scholar, and he was a end time um, theologian. And he said, H.L. Uh, Wilmington, he first, he said to the partial rapture as a form of Protestant purgatory. He said, maybe this is what God should do as it would serve most of us right, I suppose. He said, but it's not what God's going to do. He said, the rapture includes all believers. Say all believers. Tell your neighbor, say, that means you. So in a complete rapture, see, if you believe that, then there's several reasons for our argument. Let me give you the reasons for it. Uh, because when we go, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what's going to happen. When we leave here, two events. We're going to have a marriage supper of the Lamb, you know, seven years fellowship with, with the Lord and everybody in heaven and all your family. And wow, it's going to be amazing. But what happens immediately is you're going to go from here to the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be amazing. And the first thing that we're, that's the first thing we're going to do when we get to heaven is go to the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if that was true, then why would God leave carnal Christians here? Why would he leave them behind and take only spiritual people before uh, the throne to be judged? See, that, that doesn't make any sense. So <clears throat> if anyone needs to give account of their lives, and ha uh, it would need to be the carnal ones. See, at the, at, the, at, the, at the judgment seat of Christ, that's where we're going to be rewarded, but we are going to give account for our life. And if there's only spiritual people with no sin, then what's there to give account of? Can you see that all Christians will be there? Now, what is it to be a Christian? You've accepted Christ. You've become a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? So the word all is a clue. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51, he, Paul said, Behold, I'll show you a mystery that we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. So when you discover that, the word change refers to those who are alive at the time of the rapture and the dead in Christ are raised while the living saints are changed. And that verse uh, contains the same consistency of that view. So <clears throat> uh, according to that verse, how many of the living saints are going to be changed? All. all. All of them. Of necessity, both that would include the carnal and those who are spiritual Christians. And it would mean all means all. Now, the same thought is also brought in 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul considers the judgment seat of Christ. Now, who, who participates in this judgment? In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this. We read this a couple weeks ago. And this is a judgment uh, seat of Christ scripture. He says, we must all appear before the, ju the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us may receive things done in his body, according to that which he has done, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Now, don't let that scripture scare you, but let it awaken you. You're not answering for sin. God's already dealt with your sin. Amen. Through Jesus Christ for all eternity. So you're not giving account of any sin. What you're giving account of is, is your life. What? Are you, what have you done with the life that he gave you? We know from many scriptures, we know Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular one. He said, I know the plan that I have for you, right? To give you a hope in the future and expect it in. So there is a book in heaven that has your name in it. 
We can go to the scriptures and read all that about the volumes of book in heaven. That book has your name in it. It has the events that God planned for your life. And so I believe our, the judgment will be based upon what's one of them. One way will be what's in that book based on what was. Then, but then he'll also get into other things. So we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, every one of us, um, whether our works were good or bad. And uh, when I say bad, I'm not talking about being judged for sin. In other words, you could do a good thing, but the Lord may not call it good. If you had, if you had, in other words, if you had a wrong motive, you might have done a good thing, but you might have had the wrong motive for doing it. I mean, you might have gave something to someone, blessed them with it, and then told everybody on Facebook, and everybody could find the next three years how you gave someone $500 because they were going to lose something. Well, there's your reward. But when you get to heaven, it won't, it won't make it through the fire. It'll be, it'll be burned up, wood, hay, and stubble. Amen. So <clears throat> this is where rewards will be taking place. So carnality... Can't keep you out. Whew, glory to God. From going into rapture. So when you consider that upon the, uh, on the arrival of going into heaven, we need to understand that we will give an account of every idle word that we speak. Now, this is what I want you to pay attention to this part. If you're not already paying attention, we will give, all of us will give an account of every idle word that we speak. That's Matthew 12, 34. Everything that's not productive, Everything that doesn't line up with the Word of God, everything that we just flippantly say all, you know, sometimes just out of, you know, whatever. Uh, not to be a word police, but I'm saying when we speak anti-word, anti-Christ, when we speak contrary to the Word of God, and we just say, well, God knows my heart. Well, death and life is in the power of your tongue. He said you rule and reign in Christ with this Word right here. So when we don't let our tongue line up with the Word of God and speak forth the word of God, because the power has been given to you and you are the Christ in the earth. He's going to hold you accountable for what happened in the earth based on what you did with your authority and what you did with your words. And when your when your words are not constructive and they're not operative, then he, we will give an account of how we misused our, our language. God has a language called words. He did not give it to the animal kingdom. He gave it to his highest creation, you and I. And so we're going to give an account for that. Um, you know, whether we uh, spoke by the spirit or whether we spoke by the flesh. So it should be an incentive for you and I to live a holy life. So some say, um, <clears throat> uh, well, if you live in right, you go into rapture. Uh, you won't go into rapture. But once again, Paul taught the opposite. I want to give you further proof of that. In Colossians 3, 1 through 5, Paul said, if you be risen with Christ, that is, if you're born again, which is Ephesians 2, 6. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and don't set your affection on things that are on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now listen to this. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, shall appear, remember he's going to make an appearance. We're going to meet him in there. Remember the word appear refers to the rapture. When Christ appears, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, conscipients, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. So when you read those verses and you read them again carefully, uh, Paul, <clears throat> nowhere does Paul say 
clean up your life so that you can go in the rapture. Now, you, you understand, I'm not saying what you do with your life doesn't matter, but I'm saying as far as being in the rapture. God's not saying, well, you're pretty carnal. I'm going to leave you down here and let you go through seven years, you know, because you're so carnal, meathead. Carnal means meat, meathead. And I'm also going to take you really highly spiritual people. You know, because heaven will reward based on our deeds and our motives and of a heart, and the Lord knows the heart and the motives. So once again, if we were just all spiritual, there won't be nothing much to judge with us. So we're going to all appear before him, the spiritual and the carnal. You, you understand that uh, some people say, well, if you're, if you're born again, you can't be carnal. Well, I'm thinking, have you never read a Bible in your life? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of carnal Christians on the earth. Paul talked to a bunch of them in the book of, uh, of Corinthians. The, the Corinthian church was the most, and I'll read it in just a minute, was the most carnal bunch that Paul ever talked about. Yet they had the, the gifts operating so fluently he had to bring order to them. You know, carnal just simply means you're living by your physical senses of your flesh. Doesn't mean that you're not born again, but you're just not living in the spirit or by the spirit. You're living according to your noodle. And like, I feel, I think, it doesn't look good, I hurt, I'm pain, my emotions rule, I make decisions based upon my five senses. That's, that's called carnality. But when, you, when you're making decisions by the Spirit, you're saying, I don't feel good, it don't look good, the situation looks terrible, the doctor said like this, and you say, but God, Amen. but God, and then you say what God says, and you do what God says, and God calls, he says, mark that down as SS. Someone said, what's that? Super spiritual. Amen. But when you go the other way, right? See, you say, well, if I obey God, he's going to send me out to somewhere in some mud hut in Africa. He probably won't, but he might, once again, we were watching this Wednesday night with Curry Blake. He might just want to know, would you go? You know, he wanted to know if Abraham was willing to take his son's life. Amen. But he didn't need him to. Right? So he might bring you up to the point of saying, you know, I really don't want to do this. I really don't like it. I never saw this coming here. But Lord, if this is what you want me to do, here we go. Amen. So here we go. Well, that's, that's part of that, and that's part of the, uh, the rewards. So he said, uh, there's, no, there's no place in here where, where it says God's going to leave people who are, take people who are just spiritual, and the, the carnal Christians are, gonna, are going to, you know, live on a... Uh, during seven-year tribulation. You know, part of what, what brings people from carnality spiritual is called discipleship. So how fair would that be that someone who was a ranked sinner got saved two days before the rapture and, you, and they didn't even have time to be discipled? And he said, well, that's your problem. <laughs> seven years for you. <laughs> Don't take the mark. Amen. People will be taking, a lot of people will take the mark. Amen. You do know that, don't you? They will, because they won't have a way to buy or sell or, or whatever. I, I learned that through six weeks. If you can't find toilet paper and that freaked you out, you'll be the first one to take the mark. When you, when you can't find biscuits and Hardy's ain't selling biscuits, you say, mark me. Don't go to hell over a biscuit. Amen. Of course, I'm trying to get everybody to go on the first, on the first round. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We're doing all right. We got just a few minutes. Can y'all hang in there just a few minutes? So um, he said, yeah, so when Christ shall appear at the rapture, you shall also appear with him in glory. You, in other words, he says, you shall. 
You shall appear with him in glory. You shall appear with him in glory. So we don't see the word if. We see the word you shall appear with him in glory. And you shall be as he is. And so he didn't place, Paul didn't place any conditions on us, the church, and our spiritual condition in the rapture if you're born again. We're all going to be with him. The only stipulation is the new birth. Are you born again? Or have you become a new species in Christ Jesus? That's the only condition. So I'm, I'm saying, I know I'm saying it over and over again, but holy, sinful, spiritual, carnal, meathead, but <laughs> gave your life and heart to God, you're going. Amen. Amen. Uh, heaven has school, so you will learn. Amen. You say, well, I just ain't never been much about reading. You're going to read. You're going to learn to read. But you're going to love to read. Hallelujah. And how many like watching movies? You don't have to act, you know, spiritual. I mean, just I mean, how many like, I didn't say what kind of movies you like movies. Heaven has plenty of movies. So you can go say, I want to go, uh, I want, I want, I'm going to pull out Moses and the Exodus. And I want, I want to see all that. I want to see the Red Sea. And you'll you, you just pull it out. And you'll do it. Or what you might do is, uh, you know, you'll have eternity. You'll meet Moses and you say, I like, I'm having some of my family and my, uh, my dear friends over today. And uh, I'm going to have a couple hundred over, or 50 over, 20 over. And, and we're going to, you know, have a nice meal and just have Moses come over and he'll tell you his story. Hallelujah. And it'll be his story. You say, well, I wonder if he's going to make up anything. No, it'll be heaven. He'll tell the truth. The whole truth and about the truth, so help God. <laughs> if you tell a lie in heaven. Now, this is not in the Bible. Tell a lie in heaven. There might be a like, trap door and you don't see it. <laughs> so I don't know. Thank you. Can lie in heaven, but don't, don't do it, okay? <laughs> Stay upward. Hallelujah. I, I, I try to help people all I can, you know, just like. Because if, you know, I generally try to go to where where someone is and get them help. But if you slip from heaven to hell, if that can happen, I ain't coming for you. I'm not going to say, bye. <laughs> Good luck. I don't know. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, could you take that part out of the tape? I don't, you know, I just, nothing really scriptural about that. Uh, so, <clears throat> holy, sinful, or carnal, if you're saved, you're going. Now, see, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of grace. It's not uh, grace is a subject. Grace is the gospel. We think, y'all like to teach that grace, that grace stuff. I said, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, we generally like to teach the Bible. Yeah, we, we, we generally use the Bible. Paul said he called grace, he, he called it my gospel. He, in Colossians, he said, if you preach anything other than this, he said, may you be doomed to hell. I was like, what was you really trying to say, Paul? That's pretty strong talk, right? So, so he said, so therefore, since you know this, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, a number of things. I mean, you know you're going, but since you know you're going, you can mortify your members. Well, I can't do it because the devil's making me do it. No, they're not. Amen. No one's making you do it. I mean... If someone's robbing something, are they going to, you know, we had this string, I, I don't know if they caught all of them, but you know, in the county, did they catch all of them who's stealing cars here for the last few weeks in Chilton County? Had, had a whole ring of folks stealing cars. Well, they did that in the dark. 
right? They did that at nighttime mostly. And so there was, I don't know who, I know they caught some of them, but uh, <clears throat> they did that when you wasn't looking. Well, if you just said, well, I just got this thing and I can't help it. Well, then why don't you stay in the daylight with the policeman right there? Well, I might get caught. Oh, so you can't can control your impulses and your thoughts, right? Yeah, so if you're going to steal something, you do it in the dark when no one's looking. So we can mortify our members. That's a good place to say amen. So <clears throat> I think a lot of folks are teaching that backward. They're saying if you clean up your life, you get to go into rapture. Amen. But Paul said, no, you're going. No, you're going. Therefore, clean up your life. Hmm. Again, uh, your sin may not keep you from going to rapture, but sin's going to make a tremendous difference. We're closing here of how you're going to fare well or not fare well at the judgment seat of Christ. And so let me give you one more scripture because some of you are not getting quite advanced about this because, you know, we've got mainline denominations in the Bible Belt. Oh, I'm just telling you, you of a sinful man, if you know, if you... If you still chewing on that, you know, on that tobacco and you still doing all this, well, don't do it. Get rid of it. You've got control over it. And uh, I was thinking, now, what's the difference if a guy's chewing that backy or he's eating a whole tub of fried chicken? Dies with a heart attack with his, with his arteries all clogged. Well, one, did, neither one had control over their flesh, did they? It's just more socially acceptable to die from heart disease than it is from alcohol. I'm going to bring me some amen cards every now and then. Hold them up. Say, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Are you, are you like one of those? Well, you know, I'm just Irish, so I've got this temper. Let's see, the Lord gets exemption for you. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, you're, you're exempted from walking in love. Bless your heart. You're Irish. Well, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. If you've got a temper like that, you might come down to Alabama and meet a registered redneck, might, might slap you in the next Thursday with you and your Irish temper. So you don't want to do that. So here's one more verse. Uh, or verses 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Now, watch here. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, which means born again, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, which means at the rapture, we shall be like him. So you'll get a major upgrade on just going up. Hmm? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him will purify himself as he is pure. Now, if you look up those words, it means in Christ Jesus, he's already made you pure. He's already made you holy. He's already made you blameless. He's already made you guiltless. He's already made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but Tuesday I did so-and-so. Yeah, he knows about your Tuesday. Well, you know, Pastor Buzz, you say, well, fess it up and move on. I said, what's fess it up? He said, well, confess if y'all need the whole word. He said, fess it up and move on. Move on, right? Let's move on. So he says, but every man that has this hope, he will purify himself because you are the righteousness of God. Amen. You are before him. Jude said, the book of Jude uh, says, he will present you to him faultless and with no blame. Amen. 
because of his blood. Not because you did real good, but because of his blood, God is going to be presented by his son, Jesus, the head of the church. He's going to present you to him. Say, Father, here's your faultless daughter. Here's your faultless son. Wow. Amazing. Amen. So in this passage, John says, essentially, you know, we're going to say the same thing that he said, because we're the sons of God. When Jesus shall appear, we shall be like him. And again, no conditions are placed upon us of being changed into his image. Other than being a child of God. So if you're a child of God, your future is secure. Which means you will be raptured. Now, the only thing that has to take place is a shout. All the signs that people read a lot of times say, yeah, but they asked you about the sign of time. He said there'll be, you know, wars and rumors of wars. Uh, those are signs of the second coming. When we come back with him. The rapture is signless. It has signals, but it's, it, 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 has, it has no signs to it. The rapture needs no signs. The second coming gives signs. Amen. Amen. So we know that we are the generation that, that when Israel was born a nation, May the 15th, 1948, that generation that was here, that saw this, he says, shall be alive when Jesus comes back and he appears in the clouds. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So he didn't say he'd wait, you know, a generation, of course, could be 100 years, but he didn't say I'll wait the 100 years. He said the generation that's alive, when that happens, he said, will not pass away till I come back and they meet me in the air. So the only thing that has to happen is a shout and one shout and we're out. Hallelujah. Now, so your sanctification isn't the condition upon which your glorification rests. But your glorification is, this, is the incentive for your sanctification. Hallelujah. Now, so we want to understand the scripture that we was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, um, Paul, or 1 Corinthians 3, he's discussing the judgment seat of Christ, which we already talked about a couple weeks ago. The judgment seat of Christ takes place right after the rapture of the church. In 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 12 and 15, he said, if any man builds upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for that day shall expose it. Because see, you're going to stand before Christ, every one of us, not as a church, not as a couple. Each one of us will stand before Christ. He says, if any man has built upon his foundation, gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for that day shall expose it. And it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire is going to try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, he that hath built thereon, he shall receive a ward. If any man's work be burned up, that means all of it, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so by fire. So can you see, even if you went there as a carnal Christian and you never did anything for the kingdom of God with the right motive, you may be there with almost no rewards, 
but you will be saved. You'll be there. The good news, you'll be there. It's a good place. If you're going to be homeless, it's a good place to be homeless, I guess. <laughs> Wouldn't be homeless, but you, you, you get what I'm saying? So that may be the tears you wipe away in heaven. You said, I could have had this. I could have done that and all that. But I was, you know, busy playing badminton. I don't know, something like that. Uh, <clears throat> so that verse describes what will happen in the judgment seat of Christ. And then the fire of God will descend upon all of our works and everything that was done sinful or done with the wrong motive. All that's going to be burned up, all that's going to be consumed. At the end of that verse 15, Paul discusses a man's work who went up in smoke. He didn't do anything right in his Christian walk, perhaps, or, or when you gave, maybe you gave for a wrong motive so that people could know or see. When we served in the church, he wasn't looking, maybe he was looking for the praise of men. Hmm? I mean, I, I, I've had people through the years say, uh, uh, you, you have a deacon board. I said, I, ha I, have, a, I have a board. Well, no, not, not what you're thinking. <laughs> I, well, I got one of those too, but I don't use it on. I use it on little people as they've grown up. But anyway, uh, no, of course you, you have to have a board. <clears throat> and people would, I've had a few people through the years say, I'd like to be on the board. And, uh, and I said, for what reason? Well, I just believe I got some wisdom that I can impart into you. And uh, if you put me on the board and give me a certain place to sit, then I could give you this much. Now, y'all know me. <laughs> you, think, you think that would work very well with me? Now, if a man ain't giving nothing, you think he's supposed to give you a whole lot if you give him a title? Hmm? I can't tell you, at least, I, at least 20 times in my ministry, people said, would you agree with me that I'll win the, uh, the lottery and I'll tie not 10%, 20%. I said, you want me to agree that you win the lottery? Yeah. And I said, I said we're, we're, how are you going to do it? Well, we're going to go over to Mississippi and we're going to buy some tickets to Florida or Georgia or whatever. And we're going to do it. And, and just, just pray that I'll, uh, I'll get the right tickets. Yankee Doodle, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Stuck a feather in his hat and called him macaroni. Well, no. That's not the way it is, right? So can you see how that's going to fare in the fire? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, right? So <clears throat> Paul discusses this man. He says uh, his works went up in smoke. What he did wasn't right in his Christian walk. When he gave, he gave for the wrong motive. When he served in the church, he was looking for the praise of men. He didn't do that right. So when he stood before the judgment seat of Christ, everything's burned. When the smoke clears... He was the only thing that was left was the foundation of his salvation. All his reward will be completely lost. Tears will be shed. Uh, but he will still be there. Amen. Amen. So it's not just spiritual Christians who are raptured to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's also the carnal believer who may not have any rewards whatsoever, but they are there in heaven forever. So <clears throat> your carnality, if you want to be carnal, it won't stop you from going there if you're born again, but it's going to rob you of an eternity of rewards that, that could have been yours. And so once again, who goes into rapture? Everyone, all of us at the same time who are born again, right? And, uh, and so those who say, well, no, God's going to leave those here who's just carnal. Well, God's not going to amputate part of his body and take the other part. 
we're all going to go and we're all going to appear before the Lord. And when we go up to meet him, we'll know him as he is. Amen. I know that's a lot of facts and that's a lot of things, but it'll get more factual after that. Praise the Lord. It's good for us to know these things. This is all good news. Amen. Um, no, I won't do it because I told you what. Hallelujah. Uh, if you go back two Sundays ago, I gave you seven proofs to go along this why we know that we will not be here um, for those who teach. Um, there, there's, you know, three main theories. Uh, and some say, we well, you know, what the, the rapture will take, you know, pre-tribulation, which is what we know and believe. But there's some that believe that we'll leave during the mid part. And then there's some that believe that we'll, we'll be here and Jesus will come at the, at the end of the seven years and we'll go up. Well, uh, you know, the scripture says he has not appointed us to wrath. So every time that God did something like in the old covenant, you know, what happened with Noah? Well, before God flooded the earth, what did he do? He got the righteous out. What did he do with, uh, with uh, a Lot and, um, and his family? You know, before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he got them out. So every time calamity has come on the earth, God has removed the righteous. Someone said, well, who's the Antichrist? If you hadn't heard this part, <clears throat> um, Satan don't really know. I said, Satan doesn't know. He's, he's grooming people at all times. And, I, and uh, so if you hadn't heard this, you need to hear it. Because uh, does Jesus know the exact day that he's coming? No. So you think, you think Satan does? So Satan has to keep someone in baseball or keep, you know, in the bullpen. He has to keep them at all times. I always said Hitler would have been a good one, right? Stalin would have been a good one. But they lived and they died, so he had to have somebody ready at all times. And the reason why, the, that, the reason why what you're seeing now is you're seeing the setup. The reason why we're teaching this, this is good what's been happening in the world for the last, I'm glad it wasn't over in three days. Because what, seeing is, what we're seeing is Everything is going to a, to a one world order. It will not happen while we're here. But he said, if you, when you see it happening, when you can see it coming, this one, you know, they're, they're, they're going to try to get you to put things on your phone and trace apps and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, if you do that, please remove me from your friend list and your contact list. I don't want to be in your phone. If you want to, if you want to download all that, I don't want to be a part of all that. And, uh, so all these things are beginning to happen so that you, you can see the setup of a one world order which will take place during tribulation. It'll take place about the middle part. Satan uh, or the Antichrist will be revealed, but he won't be revealed as the Antichrist till about the first 42 months. He'll come on, he'll come on and he'll, he'll come like a genius. He'll come as a peaceful man. He'll come with all kinds of solutions. The, uh, Israel said, this is the Messiah. It's got to be the Messiah. He'll make a peace treaty about the middle of the whole thing. And then they'll sign the whole thing and they'll realize, it says one week, but one week actually makes seven years. They realize it's going to be the, the, whole, the whole thing is a, is a hoax. And then he is going to go in the temple during the second part of the, the Great Tribulation, and he is going to announce himself as God and command that you worship him. And then he's going to command that you take the mark of the beast, and uh, if you don't, you'll be beheaded. You'll be killed and beheaded, and, uh, but you'll, you'll go to be with the Lord. You'll be saved. So but when you can see the setup of a one-world order, and that's what this is, send something out, 
so, so you know, inclusive to that, that, that we don't know what it is. We never heard it. Then get on TV and use the media to talk about it seven days a week, 24 hours a day to scare everybody out of their mind for something they never heard of. See what I'm saying? Mass hysteria going on. But you, you, have to, you have to break the economy to do this. You have to break the medical community to do this. You have to break the hospitals to do it. You know, and then you have to look and depend on the government. How many people, whether they were independent, Republican, or Democrat, find out that you could not depend on the government during this? Could you depend on the government for toilet paper for two or three weeks? I asked the guy at Chick-fil-A about three weeks ago. I said, when y'all get through this, y'all got, I said, would, would y'all be interested in running the government? He said, we would, but we don't have much time right now. We got a lot of, a lot of chicken to deal with. <laughs> they, they might could do it, but the, you know, the deal is, so all we're saying is, if you can see, Jesus said, all the events that we're seeing, that Jesus said, you'll know that when the end's near, when you see this, this is the setup for the one world order. When you can see it on this side, you know how close it is. Not to hit the rapture. He said, when you see these events taking place, he said, you're seeing the events for after the seven years, tribu tribulation, the marriage of the Lamb, when you and I are coming back on a white horse. So I think God has given us a small sliver of time for the church to rise up and be the church, Amen. to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to get as many people to save, name written in the Lamb's book of life, before he says, shout, and he comes and gets us all. So we have a, we have a work to do. I said we have a work to do. So we can see on this side, through this whole thing that's been going on, and how it's affected people. I don't know if you know this, but well over 100,000 people in different countries have died of starvation. It's going to be upwards to 2 to 3 million people is going to die in third world countries because of starvation. Amen. If you'd never heard of this whole thing, you'd never even heard of it, how would it have affected you? In Chilton County, one person passed away and they were in their late 80s and had three illnesses, I understand. One person? And you shut the whole economy down? Tuscaloosa has almost a quarter of a million people in it. They've had four deaths and you shut the, you shut the whole economy down? But, if you, but if, if you got on TV seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and you said, gave something to a name, and you put up people with PhDs and all this kind of stuff, and they just said this, you would scare the general public out of whatever. Amen. So, so the church is going to stand in this brightest hour and be the church. Amen. And the church is not just what we do here. The church is what happens out there. But we, but we have to come together here because he says when, the, when these days are at the very end, he says, make sure that you assemble yourselves more together as these days are approaching. Amen. We can't just meet out in the field if it's lightning and all that kind of stuff, you know. No. So we have to come. But as we come, we go because we are the church. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Wednesday night, we're going to be doing uh, our continuing our study on our Divine Healing Technician Seminar with Curry Blake. Lesson number eight, I think it is. It'll be really good. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Amen.